Ever since the first tick-tock of time You brought order to a world undefined Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Our teaching team is made up of men and women who love asking probing questions of each week's scripture portion, to which our community responds with curiosity, courage, and a desire to expand in faith, hope, and love. We follow the Revised Common Lectionary, and we follow the church calendar, because they anchor us in something which can hold us, no matter what life throws our way. We exist to join God's work of cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. Cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. We exist to join God's work of cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. The reading this morning is Isaiah 35, verses 1 through 10. Imagine the wilderness whooping for joy. The deserts unbridled happiness with its spring flowers. It will happen. The deserts will come alive with new growth, budding and blooming, singing and celebrating with sheer delight. The glory of Lebanon's cedars and the majesty of Carmel and Sharon will spill over to the deserts. The glory of the Eternal One will be on full display there, and they will revel in the majestic splendor of our God. So with confidence and hope in this message, strengthen those with feeble hands. Shore up the weak, need, and weary. Tell those who worry, the anxious and fearful, take strength, have courage, there's nothing to fear. Look here, your God. Right here is your God. The balance is shifting. God will right all wrongs. None other than God will give you success. He is coming to make you safe. Then such healing, such repair. The eyes of the blind will be opened, the ears of the deaf will be clear. The lame will leap like deer excited. They will run and jump tirelessly and gracefully. The stutterer, the stammerer, and the tongue of the mute will sing out loud and clear and joyful song. Waters will pour through the deserts. Streams will flow in God-forsaken lands. Burning sands and hardened wastelands will become pools shimmering with life. The thirsty ground will drink deep from refreshing springs. Abandoned villages where predators once lurked will become grassy playgrounds. Dry, arid land will turn lush and green. And the road to this happy renovation will be clearly signed. People will declare the way itself to be holy, the root sacred. Only those who are right with God will be able to walk its pleasant path. And nobody, no visitor, no dimwit will get lost along it. There'll be no lions laying in wait, no predators or dangers in sight. Only those made right with God will journey there. Those whom the Eternal One has recalled from a punishing exile, they will go along so easily. They will walk this path, come waltzing to Zion, singing their way to that place of right relation to God. An aura of joy never-ending will attend them. They will clasp gladness and joy to their hearts while sadness and despair evaporate into thin air. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Carrie. Uh, Hence, oh, the offering. Yeah, we got to take the offering. So please, if you uh, are in the front rows, just pass it along, and uh, we'll receive your offering. Thanks so much. Uh, So in in case, I just don't want to get any emails. Uh, Isaiah is not one of the Gospels. I'm so sorry for making you... (laughs) Stand up, but it, it, it should be right. I mean, that passage should be one of the gospels, it's so incredible. 
Uh, we're in the third Sunday of Advent, and uh, the great thing about the third Sunday is that uh, after so much naming our longing and, and waiting in the darkness and feeling the ache of what is missing, the third Sunday of Advent brings some comfort, and it's long awaited, I think. Uh, and so it's about comfort and healing, and it's even about finding the path you've been searching for your whole life. But it's about finding it in the place you'd least expect to find any of those things, which is in the wilderness. And uh, so in this REI land of like exploration, and if I said, have you been to the wilderness? Many of you might say, absolutely, I have been there. I've enjoyed it. I have, you know, gotten all my gear and frozen uh, to death almost. Or, but, but really, if we really, if we really went there, we would find out that we've been on vacation in places that look like the wilderness because we still had our cell phones and we knew, you know, that home was waiting for us and that work was waiting for us and that we, we knew the way out. But in the scriptures, anytime that someone enters the wilderness for real, they know where they've been, but they don't know where they're going. And that's terrifying. And so to think about lingering in the wilderness when you don't know where you're going to end up is a huge step of faith. And I think there are two questions that the wilderness asks of us if we're willing to stay long enough. And they come from, actually, the book of Genesis, uh, chapter 16. Uh, and we read a, a really bizarre story about a slave Egyptian girl named Hagar, first person to hear God's voice in the wilderness, is a female slave Egyptian who has no relationship with God. And that's right away in the, in the story of God's people. So put that in your pipe and smoke it, people. That's the kind of story we live in. So the background is Abraham or Abram and Sarai are promised by God that they'll have a son that will then become the firstborn son of a new uh, nation, of the children of Israel, right? The only problem is it doesn't happen. They are infertile for 20 years. And so, they, and so that's a kind of wilderness where they know where they've been, but they don't know where they're going. And the problem is they get so anxious about that, like you and I do in the wilderness, that they decide to make a plan of their own. And they take this slave girl named Hagar and they use her body to make a son. And she, when she becomes pregnant, even though it was Abraham and Sarai's idea, life was so horrendous, I think, for women back then, uh, and now, let's be honest, but then even more, Sarai beat Hagar and kicked her out of the camp. And Hagar went running for her life into the wilderness. So we pick up the story in Genesis 16, verse 9. Um, and um, the angel, verse 7, the angel of the Lord found Hagar by a spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to Shur. So right away, that should be a little sign that when you find a spring of water in the wilderness, something good may be about to happen. And the angel said, Hagar, slave girl of Sarai, 
Where have you come from? That's question number one in the wilderness. And where are you going? Hagar said, I am running away from my mistress, Sarai, period, end quote. What did the angel ask Hagar? Where she's come from and where she's going. What did Hagar answer? Where she's come from. Why doesn't she, why doesn't she say where she's going? Thank you, Kristen. She's truly in the wilderness because she doesn't know where she's going. And so um, verse 9, the angel says to her, return to your mistress. Probably not what she wanted to hear, but the alternative was to die, literally, and submit to her. Really not the answer that she wanted to receive. The angel of the Lord also said to her, I will so greatly multiply your offspring that they cannot be counted for the multitude. That's another way of saying you are, you have found favor with God. Now she might have asked, by, by, what, <laughs> by what means will I have all these children? Um, the angel of the Lord said to her, now you have conceived and shall bear a son. You shall call him Ishmael, and the Lord has, for the Lord has given heed to your affliction. So she named uh, the Lord who spoke to her. She named the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees because you have seen me. Now question, why did she name the God who saw her? Yes, thanks, Pam, because she just met him. I mean, we kind of like think about this story, and it's, we, we see the gruesome nature of it with Abram and Sarai, but then we sort of, our, our minds just can't quite make the leap to the fact that she did not know this God who is talking to her. This, these were not her morning devotions where she was going through my utmost for his highest or Jesus calling. She's never talked to this God before. She doesn't know that she's meeting with this God there. She doesn't run into, into the wilderness to meet with this God, yet she meets with this God there. And this God, this different God, says something to her that makes her respond, you see me. Now that's saying something for an Egyptian slave girl whose body has been used as a surrogate. So what does it mean that the God of Israel chooses to see and speak to an Egyptian female slave? That's an all-play question. What does it mean that the first person to hear God's voice in the wilderness? By the way, the root word for the wilderness in the Hebrew uh, deber means to speak. So when you go to the wilderness, in biblical Hebrew, you're going to hear something. What does it mean that the first recorded time in the scriptures of, of God talking to anyone in the wilderness, God talks to a female, slave, Egyptian? Yeah, Bob? That God is, that God is interested in rescuing every one of us. Thanks, Bob. I like that answer. What else? 
Thanks, Roxanne. That God's going to always surprise us, which is why we hate the wilderness. Amen? It's like, get me out of the wilderness. I don't want to be surprised by God. I mean, if we're really honest, like, we like surprises when they're like, you know, a check in the mail that we weren't expecting for a thousand bucks. I, was, I did a white elephant. Uh, there was a white elephant exchange. And um, one of the first people got three Viking scratch-off tickets, you know. And, uh, and I had the last, like White Elephant, I had the last pick, so I knew I could get anything I wanted, right? So I picked those scratch-off tickets because I knew I was going to win at least a grand, right? Because it was Vikings scratch-off tickets, and I won nothing. Uh, so I didn't like that surprise, but that's the kind of surprise we want. Uh, but when we're in the wilderness and we know where we've been and not where we're going, though, and, like, someone tells us, hey, God may surprise you, what's your response? I mean, I just led you all the way there. It's almost unfair. Yes, I hope not. I mean, I want something predictable. What if the most predictable thing about God is that God will meet you even when you're not looking for God, even when you don't belong to God, even when you don't think that God's going to be in the place where you're going to be, God will meet you and find you and give you good news. What if that's good news? I mean, what if that's the good news that the Bible speaks to over and over and over and over again? And, I mean, it is. P.S. That is the story. Because it goes all throughout, if you read the lectionary text this week, John, the Baptist, who's all bold last week, remember? Nice white worship leader belt, right? And camel's hair. Only three of you got that, which actually makes me proud. Um, eating locusts, wild honey, and stuff. Prepare the way of the Lord. In this Matthew 11, um, what he says is, uh, he, he sends his disciples, because he's in prison, which is a different kind of wilderness, and he sends his disciples to Jesus, his disciples to Jesus, and he says, are you the one who is to come, the one that I preached about so boldly? And I'm now in prison for, or should we wait for someone else? What's John saying? This is not how I pictured it. This is not the surprise I, these are not the droids you're looking for. Um, this is not the surprise I was waiting for. I love that the Bible includes that too, right? That one of the Big guns, John the Baptist says, man, like, I'm not sure. But then the response Jesus gives is fascinating. Uh, uh, and this is Matthew 11. And uh, Jesus said this, go and tell John what you hear and what you see. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. Now, what he's doing right there is he is quoting from Isaiah 35 that Claire just read. Remember that part? Uh, let's see. Verse 5, Isaiah 35. Such healing, such repair. The eyes of the blind will be open. The ears of the deaf will be clear. The lame will leap like deer, excited. They will run and jump tirelessly and gracefully. The stutterer, the stammerer, and the tongue of the mute will sing out loud and clear and joyful song. 
Jesus is saying, listen, John, whether you knew it or not, whether you wanted it or not, this, the gospel is not words, it's healing, it's action, it's people who are deaf being made able to hear. It's good news for the poor. And then John, I think, would have been like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like we all have to do from time to time, right? Oh, yeah. I got a little self-referential there for a little while. I thought the world, I thought the plot line of the world centered around me, 100%. That's where I get lost, and I'll, I'll be totally honest with you, where I, why I can't stand the wilderness is because in the wilderness, your storyline, like if you're in a movie, you're paging through the script, and all of a sudden, it's like you don't have any lines. <laughs> where, hey, where, where are my lines? I'm the star of this movie. And the wilderness is the gift, if you stay there long enough, that whispers to you and reminds you in the best way possible, hey, psst, you're not the star of this movie. It's not about you. And you can hear that as like, ah. Oh. Or you can hear that as like, well, thank God. Because I've been acting like everything is riding on my performance. I was watching comedians having coffee in cars with Jerry Seinfeld this week. So great. Right, Will? I mean, it's one of the great. Will and I share a love for cars. Um, so we text back and forth all the time. But um, Jerry just made this offhanded comment. He's like, we're just raindrops on the windshield. There's a way you can hear that. It's like, we're not important. I don't think that's what he means. It's just, it's just he's like, like, our problems are pretty temporary when, when it all, and it doesn't mean that's not important. But, like, we're not the star. Are the, is the good news being preached to the poor? Are the people that have been downcast lifted up? Did you hear when Megan read the Magnificat from Mary? Did you recognize that? So Mary's probably a 14-year-old when she, you know, says those words in whatever way that came out. 14-year-old girl, no power. The Magnificat got banned by certain governments in the 60s because it was so revolutionary. Have you read it? You think it just, I mean, it's such an Advent thing, like, oh, you know. May the poor be lifted up and the strong be taken. It's like, no, man, that's crazy that she had that. She had a picture of a, the, the kind of world that God was creating, even in that moment that was breaking through. And as I talk to you all, which I love doing in the office upstairs or a coffee shop or Marna's cafe or I have heard the kinds of wildernesses that you are in. There's the loss of marriage. There's spiritual abuse from other churches. There's loneliness. There's spouses who have been sick for a really long time and you're weary. From some, there's disappointment in me and other Genesis leadership. 
in many of you, there's a general weariness and anxiety because everything in the world right now seems angry and toxic and like there's no steady place to stand. That's a hard place to live. Well, when I'm in the wilderness like that, I put all my energy into trying to escape that awful feeling of not knowing where I'm going, but I'm coming to understand right now in real time that healing and comfort that only the wilderness can bring will only come when I finally run out of energy and I know I can't escape. The comfort in the wilderness comes when, like Hagar, I find myself sitting by a spring of water knowing I'll die unless God comes to rescue me. And that's a point of real freedom. But you have to get tired enough to get there. No more scrambling. No more running. No more trying to escape. So I mentioned last week I got some help from a friend that's in AA who told me like, hey, your best thinking got you here. It's not going to get you out. <laughs> I'm like, thank you. <laughs> I was talking to another person in the AA community this week, and he taught me this acronym, PAUSE. PAUSE. Practice awareness until spirituality emerges. And so when you, if, if you're in that place, like you're fighting the wilderness, you, know, you're, you want to escape so bad, right? You're all this energy. Pause means like open up those hands and instead of fighting the wilderness, practice awareness until spirituality, God, whatever, emerges. Then you can use your energy to receive what you can't even see because you're scrambling to get out so bad. Does that make sense? It's so hard, but it's so simple. Like, let the wilderness do what it's trying to do. <laughs> Stop fighting it. And when you practice awareness, like Hagar, well, she's sitting by the spring of water. She's going to die. So she's like, all right, well, maybe she starts to practice awareness, and then there's an angel of the Lord, which angel just means messenger. So what messengers is God sending you throughout the day? That if you just stop fighting it, you might hear and see. Isaiah 35, for water shall break forth in the wilderness, streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool. These are things that show up when we have eyes to see it, the thirsty ground becomes springs of water. The hunt of jackals, think Lion King now, <laughs> become a swamp. The grass shall become reeds and rushes, meaning there's water nearby. And then we read in Isaiah 35, a highway shall be there, and it shall be called the holy way. You're looking for a way out, and that's good. But the only way you'll see the real highway, the sacred way, is if you succumb to what the wilderness is, wants to do with you, and that is to show you the gifts that God has for you there. You'll never find it scratching and clawing. And listen, I am a scratcher and a clawer. I'm one of the best. But 
God wants to comfort God's people. She wants to give me gifts. And she will wait until I finally settle down. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, Mary says in the Magnificat. For God has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. There's a false kind of lowliness, false humility that has to be small in order for everyone else to be smaller, you know. But then there's a really robust, really strong smallness that is so small that there's nothing left to defend. Wouldn't it be great to be in a place where you just don't have to defend anything? Someone throws something at you. I just can't. It, it, I'm so small in a good way that it doesn't even matter. I'm going to wait for God to come and rescue and build something beautiful. That's faith, I think. I know that's faith. May you, may you have the courage to pause, to practice awareness until spirituality emerges when you feel anxious this week. Have a little mantra with it. Just pause. I'm stopping. <laughs> I'm stopping. Breathe. And then look around and realize, like, you're okay. You're still breathing, right? Not dead yet. And watch. Watch for the springs to burst out of the ground. And if we don't believe that, you may say, well, it's not going to spring out of the ground. All right, well, what are you going to believe in? Your own effort? Awesome. I'm so tired of that. I would rather believe in a God who's way more powerful than me and put all my chips in that. That's what I would rather do. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Genesis West podcast. If, if you, you find, find yourself, yourself nearby, nearby on Sunday, we'd love for you to join us for worship. We meet at Elam Church Center in Robbinsdale, Minnesota. If you, if have, you have any, any questions or would like to connect with us, please visit us at www.genesiscov.org.